So here's how it works. We all talked about the offensive line, and management went out and addressed the offensive line. I figure if we talk about the defensive line, they'll have to do that too. If, if it's needed. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Don't get me wrong, please. It's absolutely wonderful. Beyond that, it was essential that Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert, and everyone else went and spent the money that they did on the O-line, whether it was keeping Chooks for, adding Mason Cole, adding James Daniels, all of that and arguably still more needed to happen. But the defensive line remains, I think, in something of a state of flux. Now, of course, when you start out with Cam Hayward playing at what you would figure would be beyond the prime of his career, but somehow still seems to be the peak, your positional group is off to an excellent start. And when Tyson Alualu tells you he's coming back for another year after you just saw how sorely he was missed in 2021, now it looks like we're two-thirds of the way home. Should be academic, right? Well, the question remains, who fills that out and how? And the obvious elephant in that room is Stefan Tuitt. And we've been over Tuitt's situation a million times. I've tried to be uh, as respectful as possible because I actually feel that way regarding Steph, who's just a terrific guy. But if Colbert's accurate in assessing that Tuitt does want to come back, and play football in 2022, and he's yet to be signed to a contract, then it's probably reasonable to conclude that the Steelers aren't so sure about it, that they would rather not invest a whole lot of cap money, manpower, and hope in a player they aren't sure is going to want to play. And I see that stance as being every bit as understandable as to its own. We'll see how that plays out. But what you can't do is you can't can't count on him being there. You just can't do it. Not saying that in a mean way. You just can't suppose that your roster is going to have a player of this impact. And boy, would he still be of that impact based on what we saw from him in 2020, when he was every bit as good as Cam was, beyond the 10 sacks. So he remains, too it does, your optimal outcome here. If you have a defensive front of Tuit, Alulu, Cam, and they're flanked by T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith, My friends, you're going right back to two years ago when Pittsburgh had the best defensive front in all of football. But what if Tuit doesn't come back? 
This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Montravius Adams hopped on a call yesterday with people who cover the Steelers. And he's, of course, fresh off signing a two-year contract, which should be somewhat telling on a couple of fronts. For one, the Steelers were obviously pleased with what they saw from him after acquiring him midseason from the Saints. He stepped in and, how do I put this, he did a job that no one else was doing. It was an emergency situation and not just injury-based. No one could actually tackle up front. And he was able to at least come in and plug one hole, shed one block, free up Cam to play one, well, maybe two positions at a time. And he obviously showed enough to earn a real live NFL contract. Good for him. Great for him. But is he a starter? Has he been told that he's expected to be a starter? That question came up yesterday. Um, I wouldn't say that we've uh, actually finished that conversation, but uh, from exit interviews to now, I would just kind of speak on the things of uh, just coming in, trying to be a better technician, uh, you know, get my feet a little wet by been in the system early, I get to be in the playbook, you know, kind of got a new DC, so we don't know if some of the plays gonna change or not. So really the thing is, is just getting a jump start now instead of kind of how he said last year on hopping on the moving train. So the answer to the question was no, he hasn't been told he's going to start. Doesn't mean he won't, just means he hasn't been told that. And that means that management is keeping their eyes open or keeping the door open. For Steph, I'm okay with that. I definitely need to see more at this position. Chris Wormley showed something at times. Isaiah Loudermilk got better as the season went along. I think you'd agree with me on that. I'd hope you would. He made some plays, uh, particularly in run defense. But I also feel like this is one area where the Steelers need to start investing seriously in the draft. This was something they used to do fairly regularly. High picks, first rounders, went on to the defensive line. Look at Cam's pedigree. Look at Steph's pedigree. Look at the guys before them. Most everyone, other than Brett Kiesel, was a first or a second round pick. It's still... It always will be the franchise of Mean Joe Green. And as such, the line always has to be a priority. And even if my optimal outcome plays out, it's going to be three guys who are well onto the wrong side of 30. Got to change that. I'm not sure I would go first round with this, but I wouldn't have a problem with it if they did. When we come back, just one question. 
Welcome back. Time for J1Q. And today's comes from Rich Johnston, who asked, would you trade up to number eight to get Malik Willis if he's still on the board? Should the Steelers be drafting a quarterback at all? Well, there's a lot of reasons after yesterday, Rich, to think that they're ready to throw themselves in front of moving trains to get Willis. The Steelers contingent that went down to Virginia yesterday not only included all the usuals, Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert, Brandon Hunt, the guy that I think is going to be the next GM, Art Rooney went. Like, I'm going to say that again. Art Rooney went. And they went to see a pro day that by every account, and according to the video footage that I saw myself, went extremely well for the young man. He can, in fact, do all of those things that everyone thought he could do. That's what pro days and combines are all about when you get right down to it, you know? But he did. He did. And in a couple of cases, he put on a show as much as you can in a pro day environment. A couple of bombs, and he whooped it up with the receivers that were brought in. Had some fun the day before, lest anyone forget that whole crew also went to Pitt's Pro Day to see Kenny Pickett. Now, that didn't involve much of a trip since they just had to go across the lawn. But for this one, they all piled into cars and made a six-hour drive to get down to Liberty to see Willis. You wouldn't think they'd be doing that if they had crossed quarterback off their list, Rich, regardless of what you or I think. What's obvious here is that they think they're in play for a quarterback. Now, Pitt, you could justify uh, that they go to the pro day because there's any number of guys that they can see and want to get a read on. But when you're going to Liberty, you're going to see one player. You're going to see Willis. When you send the entire franchise down there, then you're serious. You're absolutely serious. I don't believe that Willis, even in a down year for quarterbacks, is going to last to number 20 overall. The Steelers aren't the only team that are treating both Pickett and Willis the way they are. The Carolina Panthers have been all over both of these sessions as well. There are other teams, as we all know, that still need quarterbacks. Seattle kind of jumps out. But New Orleans is still looking, too. So if we're talking about the Steelers looking at one or both of these quarterbacks, regardless of their preference, we're also talking about the Steelers having already internally made the decision that they're willing, if not outright eager, to trade up. In this draft. And that in and of itself presents, oh my goodness, as if this offseason wasn't already going to be dramatic enough. The idea that the Steelers are going to enter day one of the draft as a potential trade up candidate. Look, forget what you've seen of Devin Bush over the last two years and just remember what that night was like when they made that trade with the Raiders 
to slide up to number 10. It was electric. It was unforgettable. And if this is done for the purpose of getting a quarterback, even if that quarterback is a project type, as almost everyone seems to agree that Willis is, that's that's uh, that's got some wow to it. Picture a training camp. I mean, why not? I, I could go further with this. Picture a training camp that's got Mitch Trubisky, the former number two overall pick from just five years ago. Mason Rudolph, who they hung a first-round grade on for whatever that was worth. Dwayne Haskins, who was the 15th overall pick. <laughs> now somebody they trade up to get. This would be your four-man quarterback class. I mean, they'd have to trade somebody out of that. But you see what I'm saying here. They would really be lining themselves up into a position of, if not outright strength, because you'd have a lot of uncertainty in the mix, they'd at least be maximizing their options toward addressing the game's most important position. Ooh, man, this is going to be fun. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one tomorrow.